Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, proudly delivering healthcare services across Iowa, specializing in mental health, substance use disorder treatment, and medical care with a special focus on LGBTQIA healthcare. More at ucsonline.org. Today is Friday. It's the 3rd of February. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Governor Kim Reynolds told parent activists in Des Moines last night that since she has passed her signature school choice plan, she is looking at reforming transparency rules for public schools in Iowa. IPR's Grant Gerlach has more. Reynolds has tapped into a surge of conservative activism toward public schools over the past three years to pass laws restricting how racism is taught, excluding transgender girls from girls' sports, and now helping families pay to attend private schools. At a town hall rally organized by the parents' rights group Moms for Liberty, Reynolds said she supports efforts to give individual families more influence over teachers and school boards. You're fighting for the fundamental principle that parents are the primary decision makers for their children. Reynolds says her school transparency bill will include a new proposal for book challenges. If a book is banned in one school district, she says students everywhere else in the state would need their parents' permission before they could read it. Meanwhile, over at the State House, a bill introduced in the Iowa House would remove gender identity as a protected class under the Iowa Civil Rights Act. State law has made discrimination based on gender identity illegal since 2007. But if the bill were to pass, transgender Iowans would no longer be protected from discrimination in areas such as housing, hiring, education, and public services. The bill is sponsored by 12 House Republican lawmakers. A similar bill was introduced two years ago but never went anywhere. The proposal follows other bills advancing in the legislature that would restrict school lessons from including gender identity and would require schools to have parental consent before affirming a transgender student's identity. Iowa Senate Republicans have approved a 3% increase for public schools, amounting to $107 million in new per-student funding. That would bring total state aid to nearly $3.7 billion. Democrats say that's not enough and proposed a 6% increase. Senator Sarah Trone-Garriott of West Des Moines says 71 school districts with declining enrollment will get less money than last year or have to raise property taxes. How many staff positions will need to be cut? Which programs will students lose? How much bigger will class sizes have to get? Because funding is not keeping up with real and rising costs. Republicans say the 3 percent, which is the biggest percent raise since 2015, is substantial for the state budget. The $107 million new dollars for public schools is about the same amount of money the state is expected to spend on education savings accounts next school year. That's for kids to go to private schools. Iowa's attorney general has signaled she would likely join a multi-state lawsuit if major pharmacy chains start selling abortion pills by mail. Iowa Attorney General Brenna Byrd has not issued a written statement of her own, but has added her signature to letters from attorneys general in Missouri and Alabama. One of the letters, Byrd and 19 other Republicans signed, says as state attorneys general, it is their responsibility to protect the health, safety, and well-being of women and unborn children in their states. The letters to Walgreens and CVS come after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration announced women seeking abortion pills could get them through the mail. And the State Health Facilities Council this week unanimously approved a large increase in cost request from an Iowa hospital in North Liberty. The Cedar Rapids Gazette reports the new Steinler North Liberty Ambulatory Surgery Center 
asked from putting their budget from $19.2 million to $29.3 million. They cite inflation, labor costs, and supply chain issues for some of the reasons as for that expanded cost. This is here first from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The Environmental Protection Agency recently released new rules regarding the waters of the United States that decides which bodies of water fall under federal protection. But a case the U.S. Supreme Court is expected to rule on soon throws those rules into question and could mean less protection for wetlands. Harvest Public Media and the Mississippi River Basin Ag and Water Desk's Juan Pablo Ramirez Franco reports on what the Sackett versus EPA case may mean for wetlands in the Midwest and beyond. Doug Blodgett is walking up the remnants of the old levee at the Nature Conservancy's Emiquan Preserve in central Illinois. Twenty years ago, before the Conservancy took over the nearly 7,000 acres, it was corn and soybean fields. The restoration reconnected the floodplains to the Illinois River, and Blodgett recalls the day he realized the migratory birds were back in a big way. There were I don't know, 100,000 snow geese out here, and they all got up at once. And it was about this time in the morning, and the sun just disappeared. You could not see a ray of sunlight shining through those. According to the Nature Conservancy, Emiquan is among the largest floodplain restorations anywhere in the Midwest. Millions of migratory birds pass through the wetlands every year, not to mention the countless number of native plants and fish species that call the flourishing refuge home. But Blodgett says many wetlands aren't so lucky. Illinois has lost nearly 90% of its original wetlands. The majority of Midwestern states, about 50%. Yeah, we, we don't have enough now, and so we can't afford to lose more. But protections for wetlands are up in the air. Last fall, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments for the Sackett versus EPA case, a 14-year legal battle launched from the backyard of an Idaho couple, the Sacketts, seeking to fill their lake-adjacent property with gravel. The EPA stopped them. The case, which has been to the Supreme Court twice now, challenges the federal protections the Clean Water Act provides to some waters and wetlands under the definition of waters of the United States. Mark Davis directs the Tulane Institute on Water Resources Law and Policy in New Orleans. He calls the Sackett case just the latest in a long line of challenges to the Clean Water Act. At stake is the federal government's jurisdiction over the nation's most valuable natural resource, water. It will mean that there are many important waters and wetlands that are no longer protected by law at all. Davis says larger wetlands, such as Emiquan, will be fine. But it's the smaller, more isolated wetlands and streams that are on the line. They're critical to the overall wetland system, which supports all kinds of wildlife. Although wetlands cover just 6% of the Earth's land surface, it's estimated that 40% of all species rely on them. Davis likes to call them nature's sponge. They hold water, they slow water, and you know they do it naturally while providing any number of other benefits. And they don't normally charge you a penny for it. If the court rules in favor of the Sacketts and limits federal agencies' jurisdiction to regulate some of the nation's wetlands, experts say it would leave states to do that work, and that would create a patchwork of protections. 
Mysacon with the Mississippi River Network says wetlands don't follow state lines, and the Mississippi River Basin covers over a million square miles and 31 states. Relying on different states to make up different rules ignores how what happens in one part of the Mississippi River has impacts on another. A two-lane study found that 24 states rely on the Clean Water Act to regulate wetlands in their states. That means that they would have limited wetland regulations if the Supreme Court narrows the scope of the Clean Water Act. The court is expected to return a decision on the Sackett case sometime early this year. For now, the future for many of the country's wetlands, especially those seemingly isolated from navigable rivers or streams, remains uncertain. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Juan Pablo Ramirez Franco. This story was a collaboration between Harvest Public Media and the Mississippi River Basin Ag and Water Desk. I want to also tell you about another podcast from Iowa Public Radio, and that is Under the Golden Dome, publishes Friday, Saturday at the end of the week, and that takes a look at some of the in-depth things going on at the Iowa Capitol, hosted by my colleague John Pemble. Again, you can find that podcast, Under the Golden Dome, and this one, here first, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I'm Clay Masters. Thanks for listening this week.